Hey, Jesse, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Anthony. Can you tell me a little bit about your organization and your role? Yeah, I uh, represent St. Joseph's Healthcare. We're out of New Jersey, uh, specifically in Patterson. We serve an underprivileged, underserved community. We're approximately a thousand bed system uh, across two acute care facilities and about 30 or 40 uh, practices uh, that we support. Do you work for my friend Linda Reed? I do. Linda <laughs> Reed is uh, my mentor and direct supervisor. I've known Linda for many, many years and she is wonderful. So that's excellent. All right, so you have a big purview. Security and infrastructure, from my experience talking to a lot of security folks and CISOs, a lot of them come out of infrastructure. Was that your path? Yeah, so I started out full infrastructure, uh, went through networking and system architecture, uh, got to the point where uh, I started using uh, my knowledge of infrastructure to then secure it, and then I transitioned and uh, absorbed uh, information security and cybersecurity. All right, we are here at the Vive show, which is done in conjunction with the Chime Spring Forum. This is the first iteration of this show. What are your thoughts so far? You were on some panels. I'm sure you had a number of conversations. You're talking to people about what's on your mind. That's mostly what they're doing is picking your brain. Occasionally, you get a chance to pick other people's brains. Indeed. Um, around infrastructure and security, uh, either one or both, what are you hearing? I, I think infrastructure and security go hand in hand. Uh, you, you obviously need to secure the infrastructure to ensure you have uh, security across your whole system. The conversations I've been having, um, the questions coming to me are about how I use frameworks uh, to better secure our environment, which framework, uh -huh. what type of software I use to build efficiencies, and generally about resilience, cloud, um, ransomware came up uh, multiple times in, in various topics. Um, I think everyone in healthcare is still looking at security. It's a volatile environment of healthcare is, uh, especially around security. Frameworks, I heard you talk a lot about NIST in your session. Um, there's a lot out there, as Eric Decker was saying, we've done interviews with him, he was on a panel as well. He's sort of probably the most well-versed individual as far as uh, regulatory security efforts. And he'll even tell you it's quite complex. It took him a number of years to figure it out. He said probably joke, half joking. NIST you like. Are there other frameworks that you want people to look at? Um, I, I think NIST does a very good job of covering all aspects and it's continuously updated. There's obvious other ones uh, including CIS and HICP and um, some other uh, ones if, if you're dealing with uh, payers and, and doing charges such as PCI. But in healthcare I find NIST to work quite well um, covering all aspects of the, uh, the spectrum. So these are frameworks that we use. If we use some of these frameworks, like the 405D and it may be NIST, and I think there's other things, we are in the good graces of the regulators if things go wrong, <laughs> right? We get sort of forgiveness. So you tried, sort of the you tried sticker. Well, yeah, uh, regulations state you, you have to do everything you can, right? Having a framework in place and applying the rules to your organization and, and putting forth security and tools and processes and procedures and governance all help but you know obviously organizations are good at a c-level uh, which we talked about in the panel uh, that i was on um, there's so much more to build upon from just being adequate to be uh, compliant right so we have the word compliance right and compliance means uh, technically to be in conformity with whatever is required to meet that letter of the law 
But what the compliance has another sort of meaning uh, from what I understand around security, and it, it has mostly to do with internal uh, inappropriate access to EMRs. Is that accurate? Is that another definition of when we use the word compliance and security? Are we talking about that and having an audit trail to make sure records were not accessed inappropriately, usually by an employee? Well, when you talk about healthcare, I think that's the biggest uh, component is the EMR, right, in your patient data. That's why I think you, you find it referenced uh, that it is, is related to that. But it's, it is so much more. It, it covers the entire uh, organization as far as contracts, business associates. It covers uh, all, all different data types, data encryption. But at the end of the day, you want to ensure confidentiality, integrity, and access availability for your data. Um, it just so happens that healthcare all of your data is really compromised into your EHR. So mm -hmm. it becomes this, uh, the center of topic um, when you talk about protecting it. And that compliance, that's when we're talking about compliance. Compliance, that's what they're looking for. Yeah. They're looking to make sure you're in compliance to protect your patient's data. Right. And you're working with, I believe, a Comply Assistant company to, to help you in this area? Yeah, we work with Comply Assistant for our software, our GRC software, so our governance risk and compliance software. It helps us do internal assessments. Uh, it helps us list out our risk register. So basically all the risks I, we identify, we uh, list out and put in place on this list so we can actually share them out with mm -hmm. executives and the organization. So we, we really have a good risk landscape for all of our threats and vulnerabilities. And then we make business decisions based off of those. All right, very good. So, you know, we talk about NIST, we talk about different frameworks. I've seen individuals in security, leaders in security, talk about the importance of doing the basics right. Don't, to, don't get to sort of second and third level type goals until you do the basics right. Some of these frameworks essentially are the basics, right? Yeah. That's what the framework is, the basics. So we call that blocking and tackling would be the, the sports analogy from football. You got to get the blocking and tackling right before you do second level things. Does that sound like a right way to think about things? Yeah, I spoke to that a little bit yesterday in another uh, session where I uh, explained building a strategy for risk management and the, the framework, the one I landed on NIST specifically, is really the breadcrumbs for the trail to bring you onto the roadmap, right? Mm -hmm. It is essentially what sets your organization up to become compliant. It gives you every list and every question that you need to follow uh, the items and tool sets that you need to put in place, and it's a measurement. It's a tool to actually measure your organization's compliance as well as uh, capabilities. In your mind, is there some sort of framework where there's blocking and tackling, and then there's second and maybe even third level types of security-related initiatives? Is that a way to think of things, and what might be some of those higher-level things that you would want to look at once you had the blocking and tackling down? Well, I, I think blocking and tackling is great. It's a good foundation for your program. I think there's two things. One, on a technical perspective, you have to look at the products that all work well together. There's advanced technologies that are coming down the, the, the pipeline uh, that use artificial intelligence and machine learning to then better use the data that you're pulling from your tools um, and, and measures to, to then make actions. There's tools that now are doing automated actions in your environment. And then also, there's also uh, outsourced uh, solutions and services that you can look at to help assist you um, with a lot of your changes that you need after you get that baseline in there. Um, mm -hmm. 
Right. So those are the, some of the second and third level things that you might want to think about to keep your organization secure. Do you want to talk a little bit about infrastructure and cloud? Uh, yeah, we could talk about infrastructure and cloud. Uh, one of the things I heard in the session this morning was that uh, it's not as easy as taking an on-prem workload or a database and just moving it in the cloud. There's more involved, I guess, to get it cloud ready or to get it, the data in the condition to where you can use the leverage the benefits of the cloud. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can talk about that. So any organization can become uh, cloud capable. And I think for my own uh, example, when I came into the organization, I uh, identified and I did an assessment against all of the infrastructure and identified what system solutions, databases specifically, that could be transported and cloud hosted mm -hmm. and serviced. Um, and then it's based on access, it's based on storage, it's based on usage, um, what makes sense to go to a cloud right. at this time. Um, and then the other side of things, most uh, organizations, especially healthcare, there's a little fear of taking data out of your own organization and putting it into someone else's organization. There's a lot of control within healthcare where if I can't see it, touch it, then it's not mine. Mm -hmm. um, it also, there's a small uh, increase of risk moving uh, infrastructure or services out of your realm. And I think it's, it goes to education. We talked a little bit about that yesterday, where now you have people that may not be capable of handling or managing or migrating to the cloud um, and changes may happen where uh, security lapses happen um, to your infrastructure that's foreign now because there's a whole new skill set to learn um, the ability to manage uh, workloads in the cloud. Uh, regardless of what provider you choose, they're all different. So sometimes people have hybrid environments where it's on multiple clouds, storage is on different providers um, to, to make that all work well together. And then on the contract side, to go through large contract agreements with cloud hosted providers to ensure your data is secure, to ensure they are doing their controls and meeting their compliance levels, and then to make sure that they do that on a continuous basis because obviously you don't know what they're doing. At the point of contract you know, but you don't know what happens you know, down the road. It must be quite a process going through that contracting process. I'm picturing a bill that Congress writes when it's like 5,000 pages and they say, well you, well, you have to pass it to see what's in it. Yep. So you don't do it lightly. Well, let me back up a little bit. The terms, um, there's on-prem, we think we know what that means. There's multi-cloud, where you're using multiple cloud providers. Yep. And then from what I understand, there's hybrid, which is a combination of on-prem and cloud. And there could be some overlap between those terms. Is that kind of how, how it lays out? Yeah, that's how it lays out. I would also add private cloud, which is uh, infrastructure that's hosted in someone else's organization that you're relying on. Mm -hmm. um, it's sometimes coined private cloud as well. But it's isolated from, what's the difference yeah. between private cloud and public cloud? So public cloud are the big players, yeah. um, the, the top three players right. in, the, in the marketplace, and they're global, right? right. They, they cover an uh, expansive amount of uh, infrastructure mm -hmm. and networking, and they have huge SLAs. You heard yesterday, right. uh, 11 nines yeah, yeah. Uh, for an organization like that. So, And then there's organizations that uh, are much smaller, but also cloud, private cloud, because they offer you a full stack of infrastructure mm -hmm and it's hosted on their environment and they offer it as a service just like these big providers but in a small niche so the terms don't make a lot of sense to me <laughs> right right that doesn't make a lot it of sense confusing. they're the same thing but you have a big company versus small company big but, company small company. and you're saying you could get the exact same service 
You, you could, could buy it here or you could buy it here. You could. So the terms don't make sense, correct? Yeah, it gets confusing. I think the okay. smaller ones offer services uh, also, right, to host it, yeah. manage it, maintain it, yeah. and and where organizations okay. don't have the experience. No, this is uh, helpful. It, it helps you transition. <laughs> and then when when uh, we talked about multi-cloud mm -hmm. or different cloud, yeah. I think one of the biggest cost drivers that people look at and get scared about um, is the cost of uh, storage in the cloud. Uh -huh. And now there's storage providers in the cloud that have multiple tiers of data. Same thing with the bigger ones, but they actually have a much smaller price point. So you have organizations that tier their data, tier their uh, environments that some are on this low cost cloud storage, and then their workloads, main workloads are on higher ends. Right, um, so it's coordinated so to so availability? Meaning, meaning you pay less, but the data is somehow less available. You're going to pay more if you want greater. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. You pay more for um, advanced technology services, right? Capabilities or availability. So everybody's got some on-prem still. I think everyone's going to have on-prem for a while. I think the transition to healthcare being fully cloud-hosted is still years away. There's a lot of legacy systems still in healthcare that um, would be very difficult to transition from on-premise to cloud. And it's just a matter of time. And I think what's happening now is you see software vendors going from offering, even offering on-premise software solutions to SaaS, complete SaaS solutions, where it's kind of getting rid of the, even the option of you hosting it or you having to put it in your own cloud or private cloud or public cloud, where now it's total SaaS product and, and you're just accessing their environment that they themselves put on a cloud-hosted environment. Right, right. So they're not managing those servers. Correct. They're using one of the big three. Correct, correct. But you don't have to deal with that company. You just deal with your vendor. You're dealing with your vendor. But right. that also increases a whole level of risk because you're dealing with a vendor that now then deals with other vendors and other contracts, and you kind of have to worry. And you saw that a little bit ago. There was uh, last year, there was some cloud providers that lost connectivity because of some uh, changes in the environment. And it took down major organizations across the, the US right. um, for, for hours um, based on a, a, an individual's change. Luckily, it wasn't anything worse, but. So it's your job to navigate this and to provide the feedback to your CIO about what makes sense. So what's our objective? Our objective is flexibility. We want to be able to provide services for our users. That requires space, computing space. Yes. And therefore, going to the cloud gives us more flexibility. We don't have to build out our data center more. We can just make a phone call or push a button, click something, and hey, we can handle it now. Flexibility. But as you mentioned, there's also some risk involved with both the migration. You don't get away from worrying about the security, yep. from what I understand. Security is still on the mind. So security is still on the mind. So you're calculating all this and providing feedback and an opinion, as it were, to your CIO and whoever else and saying, here's what I think. Based on what I know about what's available, what we're trying to do, here's my recommendation on what we do, who we use, the terms we sign for, here are things I want in the contract, here are things I won't accept in the contract, and you need to work with legal 
Am I right? Am I thinking about this right? You, you're painting the picture uh -huh. uh, beautifully, um, and it's it's a big effort. So I, I, in alignment with my CIO, Linda Reed, we strategize, we build vision. I give direction. Um, that's where I come in, tactical and strategic direction on how to get things done. Where should we go? Mm -hmm. um, where does the future uh, see us uh, in, in the next couple of years? And I did that for the last seven years while I've been at the healthcare system. And you, you had said size and space. I walked into an organization, the data center was huge. Over the last five years, I consolidated down to small infrastructure down. I could run the entire enterprise on two racks. Mm -hmm. It becomes so much smaller mm -hmm. uh, to manage and handle internally. And then you're, you're using your cloud um, and you're using SaaS providers. So you have to pick and choose. I talked about where certain SaaS providers, you wanna pick that if they are a critical partner, mm -hmm. that maybe you need another level of redundancy. Maybe you need access to the data offline. Maybe you need to uh, ensure there's a secondary or tertiary, regardless if they say they have 11 nines, mm -hmm. there's always something there. So you, you find organizations that go out to cloud and then they back up on premise, their data. You have organizations that offer SaaS and we select them and I give the direction, yes, we should select that as a SaaS solution, but know that if they go down, what's the recourse, right? What's your downtime system? What's, what are we gonna do? What's the appetite for it? How can we deal with this if it does go down? And does the organization accept it? What's the risk acceptance for it? So that's what my part is in all of this from a technical perspective, as well as cybersecurity and information security. So it kind of blends well and I paint the picture, I give it to her. I give it to the organization, and I offer solutions or technologies that we need to invest in. And so far, St. Joseph's, uh, we've transitioned and transformed from a technical perspective. And again, this is not all on me. It's a team of 100 people that are behind me, as well as Linda, that make this happen. Um, and we're all transforming the organization. And it's an ongoing transformation. Once you start going down the path of digital transformation, um, and I know that's a buzzword, but it is something that you continuously have to put money towards and investment and then look at new products and, and partners specifically because if you can't sustain and do it yourself, you have to strategically pull in partners to help you. Well, you have to know who those partners should be. You have to know who the players are. You have to know how technology is evolving. Yep. You have to know as options change, as something that's new and bleeding edge and risky becomes more acceptable. Right, you have to know as these things happen. So what, what's your best way to stay informed? Because a lot of this is going to come from the vendors, right? You it, need a lot of briefings. With, is that part of it? You tell me. I, I would say there's two different types of people. There's people that sit back and allow the vendor to come to them yeah. when they need something, right? I'm in need, I'm going to put my hand up, or I'm going to send an RFP, or okay. I'm going to talk to other vendors or mm -hmm. other partners or go out to conferences and learn from mm -hmm. the vendor. Um, and then there's someone like me that is addicted to technology and learning, and I go out and I learn about the products and software and capabilities and tie it to the organization and tie it to all the components and tie it to my policies, and then I try to reach out to the vendor. So I've already done the due diligence. How do you do it? Usually information's available. A Reading lot of, articles, just yeah, out there Googling and just... just 100%. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there on the internet about software, about solutions. There's blogs, there's forums. Um, this is just on the infrastructure side. There's a lot of talk in the industry of what, what is coming down the pipe, what's on the Gartner curve. And you have to investigate those and see if it's going to align with your strategy. And there's certain things that do, right? Artificial intelligence has been the talk of the town for mm -hmm. four years now. Mm -hmm. 
And we're finally to a point where healthcare is adopting it and using it for certain use cases. And again, there is a need for infrastructure to be able to support that. So for me, I would be investing in technology, faster networks, faster uh, capability on storage. So when the time comes mm -hmm. to add more artificial intelligence systems, I'm prepared. And that's, that's my thing. Mm -hmm. um, so far I've been successful in kind of staying two steps ahead when things do come out and are available. Yesterday we talked a little about IoT and medical information technology, and I did the same thing. I did the due diligence all on my own. I pretty much understood what I needed, and I went out and grabbed it. Um, we talked a little about EDR, MDR, XDR. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was ahead of the curve. In fact, as soon as COVID kind of came down on healthcare systems, the one thing I thought about was what, from a security perspective and technology perspective, would hinder our capabilities of providing care for patients. Mm -hmm. And immediately, if any of those systems were compromised and we couldn't care at that point in time, uh, that critical point in time, so immediately I started sourcing and doing my own research and finding what products will fit, what services will complement them. And I went out and I contacted the vendor and sold it to myself. It was funny because I talked to the vendor, I talked to the vendor's director, and they said, well, who talked to you? Why do you know all this? And I practically could sell it myself. They want to figure who's getting the commission. You said, nobody, I'm getting the commission. Man. Well, <laughs> that's another story, but I, I think that's the other part. That's the other person is one that's so proactive that, that has the vision, sees the strategy and has the roadmap and then knows how to plot the steps that are required to get them down the road. Um, I don't wait for a vendor to tell me what steps to take. And I'm guessing you think that's key for someone in your position at, at any health system that you're a specialist. Absolutely. You're a specialist and you need to have that knowledge and, and it is, everything is evolving so quickly that you need to constantly be keeping up with how things are evolving or yes. you won't be able to provide the services your organization expects from you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I never want to be put in a position where I'm looked to and I say I can't do that. This is something I just don't ever mm -hmm. iterate. Mm -hmm. And to prepare the organization, to prepare my teams, to prepare IT, to, it's all a service. So if I could offer myself as well as the organization's technology and, and cybersecurity teams um, and other teams that now I manage mm -hmm. um, and offer and deliver that service the best I can, it requires me to know and be in touch and be involved every step of the way. So are you able to stop doing research and to put on Netflix or does it, you always read another Gartner paper and it's on and maybe somebody's watching it in your house in the background, but you're, you're doing research. You're, on infrastructure. So at home, I don't watch shows. They're on you in the don't. background. They're, they're, <laughs> I knew it. they're in the background, but I am on my phone, on a device. I am looking up, I'm working. I've focused and dedicated my life to technology and cybersecurity to the degree where I could literally uh, wake up in the morning and just that's the top of mind. I go to sleep, that's top of mind. Do you have any time where you want to turn that off intentionally? <laughs> When I'm at the beach. You're probably still reading a white paper at the beach, aren't you? Uh, I will purposely put my phone away. You know, and it's, it's how I've been in tune with technology throughout my career. The more you learn about the technologies and the capabilities or on the security side, learn about the threats and vulnerabilities that are out there that are impending upon your organization, the more proactive you can be. So um, again, like I said before, I'd never want to be put in a position where I either say I can't or if someone says, did you know about this? And I say, no, I didn't know about it. Yeah. Any other, um, I, I could talk to you. I think we'll talk another time because I've got so much I could ask you about business continuity planning, disaster recovery. 
yep. dealing with third-party security, vetting all your vendors, going back and vetting the ones that you didn't vet properly before. Or fourth-party vendors. Or fourth, well, listen, we're going to have to have another conversation, but I just want to uh, give you an opportunity, parting thought for, let's say, CISO colleagues who may listen to this, read this, parting thought for them, best piece of advice. Uh, best piece of advice I've learned throughout um, my tenure here is there's areas where you're not the best. Um, the capabilities aren't there. Um, and just because you're compliant and you're meeting the measure, the governance, um, and the mark, you have to look at partners. You have to look at technology solutions that complement your organization. And you have to build relationships. And I think relationship building from uh, cybersecurity or information security perspective, sometimes that's a difficult thing to do. And I think if you focus on building relationships with those key departments, mm. HR, legal, compliance, um, even your IT uh, organization in general, sometimes they separate uh, information security and IT. You need to complement the business. You can't uh, uh, impede the business, uh, even on the contract side. You just mentioned contracts. If you make it so difficult to pass through a contract, they're going to start going around you. Um, mm -hmm. so, so information security, if you make it easy, and, and whether that's on-site or using partners, um, but if you make the process very simple, but get the security done out of the way, um, they'll be your partner, and they'll look to you, they'll trust you. Um, but a lot of organizations, I would say, uh, or CISOs, I would say, that relationship building is key. You can't be the alpha uh, department in the, in the organization. Um, you need to blend with them, you need to help them, you need to assist them uh, in, in what their endeavors really need to be. Care for patients. It, it can't be no. It has to be here's how we can do this thing you want to do. We can't do it exactly how you want or do have to do a few extra steps. Yep. I'll help you get there, but I can't do it the way you want it right now. Right? There's, Correct. There's got to be some of that. Correct. There has to be yeah. some give and play. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's rigidity in, in the CISO suite. And that needs to, not lax, but you need to build that relationship so it's not rigid and you're helping the organization and, and perceive that way. And that's part of making them understand what the risk is. If things okay. I'm asking you to do, if we don't do these things, we could go down, we could have a ransomware event, you wouldn't be able to practice medicine to the, the way you want to. Education yeah. is paramount. The doctors, physicians, nurses, mm -hmm. all need to know the changes that you're making that delay things or add mm -hmm. a couple mm -hmm. extra right. clicks to their you know, because everything's measured by seconds and right, clicks. Right. So um, you have to explain, you need to educate. And once you get past that and they see you as a trusted source in the organization, then you can start making changes incrementally to secure the organization better. Well, that's great, Jesse. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcasts.